<laughs> you can't beat the classics. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. I almost forgot the episode number, but it's episode number 15 of You Can't Beat the Classics podcast. Good thing I checked. I literally went to what went into Spotify and had to check what episode number it was. 15 episodes hmm. down. Uh, yeah, we're getting there. A lot of, lot of movies to talk about this. So there's going to be a lot of episodes, I think. George and Mike are back with me. What's up, guys? Howdy. Hey. What's up? All right. So. All right. So you guys, we're diving into a movie I've never seen before. Up until this point. But I think you guys, I know George does have a little bit, a lot more history with this movie than I do. Um, the movie we're going to be talking about today is 1996's Mission Impossible, directed by Brian De Palma. Never heard that name until now, but directed by him nonetheless. So we know that this is the first time I've ever seen this. When's the first time for each one of you that you saw Mission Impossible? It came out. I didn't see it in the movies. I saw. I saw it like we rented it from the movie store. Yeah, my parents rented it and left it out, and I watched it. Had no idea what was going on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, no, yeah. Nineteen ninety six. I would have. I would have just been five years old when this came out. Yeah. Yeah. So well, I. I, I, I would definitely. Not, I, would... I mean, I will say, I like. I went to. Jurassic Park in the movies, but that was a couple of years later. Wow. Uh, yeah, that must have been fun. Wow. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, no, uh, I watched it at home, so I don't know. I really enjoyed the movie when I when I was younger. So. Yeah, so it's no secret that this would go on to be, become a franchise. And this, this ended up being the third highest grossing film of 1996. <laughs> uh, and it spawned, oh my God, I don't even know how many movies there are. There's like George, you six, just watched that pop. Six, that six or seven? Funko yeah. pop in the frame. <sighs> You're unreal. Nice. King Steve. King Steve. Okay. The Steve Harrington. Some, Anyway, some stranger things going on in there. Anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was yeah, so, it was a big movie for its time. Yeah, apparently. So, but, like right off the bat, the one thing you'll notice about I'm just gonna say like this age of movies because there's a lot of movies in this genre around this time. Because let's say like special effects isn't exactly where it is these days even for the time i don't really think it was that great but like a lot of the stunts i would say probably like 95 percent of the stunts in this have no cgi um and they're all like practical stunts and all that stuff so i mean just think of the movies that it had to compete with that year it had to compete with independence day twister Huge. the rock Huge. and the nutty Huge. professor and ransom Huge. but i mean I'd say the only one of those that are really comparable are Ransom and Mission Impossible as far as effects go. Yeah, because Independence Day does have a lot of CGI. So does Twister, uh, so does Nutty Professor. Right? But Tom even Cruise then, like... Man- <laughs> go ahead. Tom Cruise managed to sneak on the on this on this list twice. He got in for Mission Impossible and Jerry Maguire. Jerry Maguire is <laughs> a great flick, too. Yeah. I, this is also kind of like... You know, like towards the end of peak Tom Cruise, and then he picks it, and then he like lulls, and he comes right back up in the cinema, right? Yeah, he started doing like what was it, Vanilla Sky, and yeah, all those other yep. like random like off movies. Yeah, but there's like a, also a Mission Impossible before. Two was terrible. Don't forget that too. Yeah, Mission Impossible Two was, yeah, 
but like so tom cruise was like coming off of you know like some really big movies a couple years before and then this is like the tail end of that and then he kind of goes into a lull and then like in the late 90s early 2000s he starts to come back into cinema like really strong so yeah so i i'm surprised at how long it took me to get into this but honestly you know spy movies are like movies around this around this type are ones that i was like not particularly interested in like even like stuff like james bond never caught on to it mm-hmm. i know george you this you say this is better yeah than james mission, bond mission impossible killed james bond james bond had a chance yeah. when mission impossible had their little lull where they had mission impossible 2 and then it was like hey let's let's move off of that James Bond casted what was Daniel Craig. They pumped out. Um, what was the first one they pumped out? That was really good. Quantum of Solace, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Skyfall was okay. This the music was better than the movie for Skyfall. I know, right? yeah. And then he comes. He comes back with Mission Impossible with Rogue Nation, and it's like, oh, hot damn. Yeah, Rogue Nation is. And then Ghost Protocol just rub, shoves it up your ass if you're anyone who liked James Bond. Ghost Protocol just said "fuck you," and then Fallout was the dagger. Because then, then the, w- before Fallout came out, they were like, "We only got one more James Bond. We're done. We're done." Yeah, yeah. I mean, so like going back to this movie though, it's a movie very much of its time, right? So like we'll we'll get into it a little more, but um, the directing, the acting, all that stuff oh. is very much of its time. We lost. Bison's no, game. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Hold on. I just misclicked. My bad. My bad. Okay. Oh, we're good. So, so um, when you think of that, you're like, okay, early mid '90s. Like, what do you expect? Well, the writing is actually really decent in this movie, in my opinion. Uh, and as we get into it, we'll see that. But like, some of the directing is just a little weird. But I, I would say that it's just a, of its time. Like, some of the fight scenes are a little bit weird. Some of the leading on, some of the angles, you're like, eh, it's not really clear what's going on here. Mm. But uh, I would say that the dialogue and the interaction between characters uh, makes up for that. I think it's I think it's really, really great follow-through. I'm interested to hear what John has to say. I know what John's going to say, and I'm, <sighs> not, I'm, not, I'm not here for it. Or would All you right. rather just well, dive in, and then as we're going, you break it down? So before I say anything, we gotta watch the trailer real quick. Uh, (laughs) I'll share my thoughts right after this. (laughs) Momentary. Good morning, Mr. Phelps. This is your mission should you choose to accept it. Should you or any member of your IM force be caught or killed, the secretary will disavow all knowledge of your actions. Ethan Hunt will be your point man, as usual. Good luck, Jim. (laughs) Never, ever happened. Simple game. Is he serious? Always. It's much worse than you think. We're being ambushed. Abort, that's an order. They knew, they knew we were coming. Do you read me? I don't care how he did it. I want to know why he did it. You're worried about me. Why you survived. I'm sure we can find something I have that you need. These guys are trained to be ghosts. Let's not waste time chasing after him. Let's make him come to us. Find something that's personally important to him and you squeeze. Okay, before you hop in, John, I want to say okay. 
seeing all of the trailers and seeing all of the Mission Impossibles. The one th- they kept true to that in every trailer in every movie. The opening sequence for Mission Impossible in every movie gives you every plot point if you pay attention. The opening sequence they do the entire movie oh. in the plot point. You know everything that's going to happen. There's no spoilers. They show you what's going to happen, but they don't show you how you get to where you are. And in the trailer, they stay true to it and they show you the end. They show you the middle. They show you the beginning. They show you, they tell you the entire plot of the movie in the trailer. It's maybe not in order. It's maybe a little deceiving because everyone dies the first 10 minutes. But like, that's what Mission Impossible is. They tell you what they're going to do. They just don't tell you how, which I think. Okay. I also seeing that is cool. I also want to hop into and just say like literally the first 25 seconds of that trailer for the mid nineties, the amount of star power that they have in this movie is phenomenal. Didn't use any of it. I know. I know. I just think it's wild. Cause like you look on them, you, you got like literally like six or seven, like main action stars coming, coming into this movie. And you're just like, Man, if you're watching this trailer and you're seeing all this action, you're seeing all this stuff, you're just hyped. Like, like that got me hyped. <laughs> I've already seen the, it. Yeah. What do you think the selling point for Emilio was? Like, hey, dude, we want to put you in this huge action movie after we just put you in like this weird, out of nowhere Mighty Ducks movie that took off. We want to yeah. put you in this huge action movie. <laughs> dude, oh, cool. Who Am I going to be the star? No, you're only going to be in it for five minutes, bro. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I think it's funny. Like, he's like, all right, so I'm reading the script. Page three looks like my last line. Where do I come back? <laughs> you know which cast. You know which cast choice surprised me the most was Jean Renault. I'm like, oh my! I didn't know he was in this. I'm like, oh my god, the French yeah, guy he's... from the 1998 Godzilla. Or Leon the professional. Leon the professional too. And I was like, oh damn! I'm like, good choice. <laughs> yeah, oh, and uh, and there's yeah. some there's some pretty big plot points around him too. In this movie, it's pretty good. Anyway, John, your thoughts? Yeah. <sighs> All right. So here's what happened with me with this with this movie. I I couldn't watch this movie in one sitting. And I kind of expressed this in the chat a little bit. Like, the dialogue in this movie, I had to... Those are the points where I had to take breaks. I said, I, I can't... I can't listen to this. I'm like, I'm getting bored. I'm like, but I wanted, I wanted the action is what I wanted. I knew it was there because that's just, that's just what mission impossible is. And so like, I feel like I had, I had to like, let me, t- let me the ask dialogue. you this. Let me ask you this about the dialogue. Have you ever seen golden eye? No. <laughs> Goldeneye was the spy movie of the 90s, right? Right. Terrible dialogue. The worst dialogue of all time. In the I think it's just yeah. like Mike said it's part of the 90s dialogue wasn't like too mm. intricate. Although I will yeah. say it is tough, right? Cuz it's like what are we why is Emilio Estevez even talking about this woman's eyes with contacts in? But everything Tom Cruise spit out had like a purpose. Right. Like, everything he said had a purpose and like it was sometimes it came off as like cliche in nineties, but like everything he did and we'll get into it later, but everything he did was so calculated and like, oof, if, if he had Pierce yeah. Brosnan's looks, if only, <laughs> but anyway, w- yeah. w- what else were you feeling? I know you, you definitely had a hard time getting through this one. Yeah, but you, you know what? It was those. I wasn't super harsh on it because I knew this was the first movie. It was the '90s, so I wasn't super harsh on it. So I didn't love this movie. Um, but I, I, I was here for it. I was like, so, you know what? I'm like. <laughs> okay, so let me ask you this: Do you like the character Ethan? Yes. So, and I think I think that's more what it is. So they put him in an impossible in an impossible situation here, and he finds his way out of it, out of the whole team. He like he finds his way out of it, and I think 
that that is what spawned the series, not so much anything else. Like, this movie was hype. It had star power. It has, like, the foundation of to be something great. But the fact that more people were like, dude, Ethan Hunt is nuts, right? Like, everything he did was calculated. Everything he did had purpose. And then, like, at the end, you can, like, they show, like, little glimpses. And he's talking and saying something different. But they're putting little glimpses of stuff together. And, and, and like, referencing back. And I think that that, like, the character himself launched the franchise. I don't necessarily, it could have been any character in any novel. And it would have launched the franchise because he was just yeah that good. Yeah, it was definitely a character movie. Right. For sure. As it goes on, though, they, they do become better overall movies. Like, Ghost, yes. the Ghost, Ghost Protocol, Protocol trilogy is, it's unmatched by anything. But any they get Simon Pegg, too, right? Mm-hmm. And Jeremy Renner and right. Henry Cavill. So w- once you get, like, Simon Pegg in there, it becomes more of, like, a really good action movie with decent situational comedy. Because Simon Pegg does that really well. And I think that that helps to develop the movies as well because he becomes the gadget guy and he becomes like, you know, like the Q or whatever, uh, the Z, whoever, whoever it is in, in GoldenEye that does it. Um, but like he becomes that guy, but it's Simon Pegg. So you can understand like it's going to have awkward conversation. He's going to say stupid crap, but it's all going to be funny and it's going to be situational. So we'll we'll start getting into it here, George. I, I feel like I should let you take the reins on this for the most part, since since you know this movie probably better than the both of us. Uh, and well, you know, first off, first off, I'll say what I really liked about the movie is all right. First off, that opening, badass. Oh yeah, your mission to accept it. That theme song. Oh, that theme song, badass. It's and you know I. Yeah, and I loved, I really loved the action scenes in this, you know, with the, um, in that weird, in that vault. I mean, that wasn't so much action, just a lot of tension there uh, when they're in that weird vault with the temperature control and all that. Oh, the CIA. Uh, Awesome. Uh, Awesome. And, you know, the helicopter helicopter and the train. uh, It was wild. Really great. Um, the, The part where the whole team's getting taken out is kind of crazy too because like they're just at this white collar event like you know and and like explosions start happening people start getting taken out it's pretty crazy well since you brought it up let's just dive right in yeah let's go yeah so i mean so it starts off with uh jim phelps played by john voight uh he literally just finished a mission so now he uh, he's being briefed before he presents it to his team on um, somebody's trying to steal. Uh, they call the it knock the knock list. So that's a literally a list of like all the people that, that fall under this uh, this uh, espionage agency that they work for. Um, so, so that's that that's a main theme in every movie is the knock list. So it's it's very important okay. to remember that the knock list is the names of every eight secret undercover agent so that everyone will know their true identities. Yeah. That is the theme of every single Mission Impossible movie is that Ethan's team is sole job is to defend the knock list. OK. So, so I mean, we're. Yeah. So I so this first. This first, he presents this mission to that this whole team of uh, of spies, essentially. You know, Ethan Hunt being one of them, played by Tom Cruise. Um, so the mission starts off in the Czech Republic, and this is where these these guys eventually start getting all taken out one I by one by one and john's voice so like it, it kind of opens uh, up showing you what they do right like where they have the yeah. masks and everything and it's laying the foundation of like the, they're advanced but they're not where like you know other movies had like like goldeneye had the laser watch right like they don't got that shit they, they, they're kind of grounded are you where- shitting me Dude, they got ultra realistic silicone masks that mold to your face and voice changers. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, they don't have a laser watch. Yeah. Well, Tom Cruise is like <laughs> disguised. Tom Cruise disguised as some senator. They have a serum that killed, killed a hooker and then brought her back to life. 
yeah, why? That's <laughs> unreal. Like, she didn't actually die. They just slowed her down for a minute, and then they gave her some fucking adrenaline and woke her up. I, I think it's more grounded than some movies. It's not like aliens from Independence Day coming in, you know, where Independence Day won movie of the year financially, or Twister, where the fucking Twister had a mind of its own, right? Like, it's it's, it's a little more grounded than that. How about that? Is that fair? Fair. Um, where, like, they're showing you that, yeah, they have masks, they have voice changers, but and then they immediately go into the gum, red light, green light, that's and the it. glasses, the the glasses with the the camera on the arch. That's it, though. They they, they don't really have any other. Well, they tricks. have and um, they, and they, they show have you the, them all. the camera watch. They have the video watches. Well, they, they show have you the that contacts. Too. And yep, they show you the contact. What I'm saying is, they show you all the trinkets that they're going to use in the entire movie in the first five minutes. There's no secret punches yeah. that they're pulling out of left field, mm. and it's all it's fairly because, grounded. It's because the tech guy dies in the first five minutes of the movie. Well, <laughs> so, we're so oh, really he got he got it he got it bad. He got got. <laughs> um, and then, but, well, well, I'm like, what type of elevator has these spikes? Like, unless it's a special yeah. elevator. No, that, that's that. That's what they used to do. Is that's how they'd absorb elevators moving at a high speed. I've Googled it. So the elevator moves what? at high speed and it, and <laughs> and it, it has like hydraulic stop stops. Yeah. That was used to uh, stop the elevator. It wasn't, it it wasn't was... like a security spike to kill people on the top like, of the elevator. I was like, I was like <laughs> is, this, does go like is this standard for every elevator? <laughs> it, it, that's how in the 90s you would stop the elevator if for some reason oh, okay. it, it wasn't stopping and the brakes didn't work. That was the kind of last defense to keep it from oh, just hitting the right. top and the and the, the ring, uh the rope snapping. Um, all right. But then, the, yeah, they, you see all this. They're all joking, having Chinese food, whatever, going over their mission. And then five minutes later, the entire plan gets bogarted because of one guy, apparently. They, they're they hunting one guy who's trying to steal the knock list, and they end up taking it first or whatever. And uh, one by one, they all just keep meticulously dying. It's kind of weird. It was weird. Yeah. I remember this was the part that threw me off when I was a kid and I saw this was like, if they had a mission and it was one guy, how are they all dying when no one was supposed to know they were there? It was weird. Right. Right. Like the tech guy died from the elevator spikes. Uh, I think Jim Phelps recorded somebody shooting him and then he fell over the side of the bridge. No, uh, he some- shot. He shot himself. Well, he we find like that out. We find that out later. Yeah, but right. Like the way but, it looks is that he's been shot. And yeah, then he shows his hands covered in blood. Um, um somebody's killed by a car bomb. Yeah, and then someone gets stabbed at the gate. Yep. Yep. Hit his yeah, and then theoretically the that yeah that's it. No, that's it. The the love interest was supposed to be in the car. Right. But, uh, this ends up leading to well, Ethan essentially being the sole survivor of this uh, this IMF team, and this is when he's found out by their director uh, Kittredge mm. that you know that the whole operation was a setup to lure to lure out the mole. That's why in the trailer I said it didn't happen because he didn't say. The whole setup was a decoy. He said the whole setup was a mole hunt. Yes. And then Kittredge whispers, mm. and you're the only one who lived. And it's like, oh, fuck. Dude, some of, <laughs> some of the best lines in this whole movie happen when him and Kittredge are sitting in that restaurant together talking. And yep. I'm, like, sitting there at the edge of my sofa. And it's unreal, like, the dialogue between them and how quickly you can see Ethan's mind is changing when before anything happens, he's recognizing the people around the room. He's talking to Kittredge. He's like, right? oh my gosh. Wait, he, for me. he recognized that the people in the room were at the fucking party. And like, How yeah, like, yep. that? And, and then like, you can see him working the room before, like while Kittredge is still talking. And you're like, oh, you're like, this is crazy. Yeah, that was wild. And then uh, the best line, I, I sent it to George when I was watching it. So like if you want to shake hands with the devil, that's fine. I just want to make sure you do it in hell. Oh, 
I love that line, right, that's, man. That's, that's not a bad line, yeah. That's I like, great. I like when he looks at him dead in the eyes and is like, Kittred, you've never seen me up, very upset. And it's like, you've he, never seen me. It's, well, it's so condescending. <laughs> well, at the same well, time, like, I'm going to beat this shit out of you. I, I, I feel like knowing, all right, first time watching this, like, he's walking, he's walking into that cafe, restaurant, or whatever. Expecting to be of, extracted. Gallons of water around this restaurant i'm like that's gonna blow up <laughs> I'm like, i was like you don't need, like it was so obvious it's like it, yeah it's that's gonna blow up watches though because i was like how does one fish tank have that much water but it, i was i was gonna say the same too. thing so yeah. so like when i was watching it too i was like I, it kind of threw me off because i was like that's a lot of freaking water for just like one pretty average size fish tank <laughs> yeah i had to watch it again it's it apparently it was the ceiling was the fish tank too and the walls were the fish tank so must have just broke all oh, the wild glass. restaurant that's it's a big insurance bill right. but then ethan's on the run now now ethan's like oh shit son yeah so all right so this is the part of the plot where it, i start to get confused well, all of this is surrounding, you know, so, as part of uh, something called Job or, or no Job Job three fourteen. No, it, no, he thought it was Job three fourteen. It he was thought it was it Job three fourteen. Told to us that it's Job three fourteen from Phelps, and then he goes right. back to the hideaway or wherever the rendezvous was supposed to be, and he's trying to figure out what the fuck job 314 was so that he could figure out this mole hunt situation and this then all of a sudden well no all of a sudden the the bitch shows up right yeah when she supposedly she died in the car bomb yeah and he freaks the fuck out and then once he yep. kind of sort of trusts her he he looks up and he sees the bible and then he just starts rifling off emails to in every language to job 314 which by the way is not how email works but it might have in the nineties. I don't. I don't fucking know. Um, but it, it, it's like pre-internet. I, I have no idea. You could have sat me in that room for a yeah. month, and I would have never pieced that together. A month. No, no clue. <laughs> like mm-hmm. how, how many? How many lifelines do I get? Because I would use them all twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's yeah. the next part, and then from there he kind of just steps into to Phelps's role, right? Like, oh, you wanted the knock list. I'll find a way to get you the knock list. Yeah. So, so that but becomes all, the primary part of the movie. And all of this is centered around uh, apparently the this the arms dealer that the mole is working with named Max. Uh, yep. So after after Claire shows up at the safe house and she has to explain she has to explain to Ethan that uh, Jim contacted her saying that the mission was was co- compromised. So that stopped her from getting killed. Yeah, so when, when, the, team, when the team right. dies, Jim sends out a message to everyone saying, abort, abort, abort. And then yeah. Ethan has nowhere to go, so he goes to the safe house that they were going to abort to. However, she arrives at the correct time. They weren't supposed to meet there until 3 a.m. Yeah. And it, and that's what she's screaming is, it's 0300. We were supposed to meet at 0300, blah, 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 blah. But Ethan hasn't slept in two days, so he's freaking the fuck out <laughs> and trying to still piece yeah. this shit together. No, <laughs> oh, no, he was, yeah, he was spazzing. But he he arranges a meeting with this, with this Max. And... He he tries to warn her that supposedly she has the knock list. Half of it. And and Hunt is trying to trying to warn her that the list that she has is fake and it has a tracking device. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, Max Max thinks Ethan's full of shit. But they trust but verify. She realizes that Hunt was telling the truth. Yep. And then they and then they escape together. Uh, so basically, from Kittredge, 
he's kind of feeling that he was set up by his team and then the the organization he's with sees him as a liability so he makes friends with someone that essentially he can arrange to get out of where he is because mm. that's the only way he's going to do it so he he basically he's like i know something over here is messed up my organization doesn't trust me i need this person's leverage to get me out of here is is really all he did well the conditions too of the deal that he makes with max is a you pay me a shit ton of money more than you were going to pay job and b I get to meet Job in person because he knows whoever Job is, is the guy. And he doesn't, I don't think he knows just yet if it's Kittredge right. or if it's someone on his team who faked their death, but he right. knows something's fucky and he just, and we'll get mm. to it later. But like, that was the point of the deal is he, he knows Job is the bad guy. And as the audience, you're right, John, the first time you watch it, it's a lot to kind of take in. There's a lot of different angles. coming. There's a lot happening. In that but scene. you know, you got to figure yeah. out who the fuck Job is. <laughs> right. And like right yeah. now, you're like, okay, so we don't like Max, but like it's she's a necessary evil, right? Yeah, neater, neater. But Max yeah. pays him, so now he has to hire a team because he, you don't know yet, but he's about to go steal the Noclus for real, real. Yeah, he convinces Max that he can get he could get the real Noclus, but he wants he wants ten million dollars, <laughs> and he wa- and he wants Job's true identity. Um. So yeah, so this is where he has to, this is where he has to put that team together to uh, end up breaking into that pretty serious vault yeah. that I was I was the like, the second dream of by. of A tier actors. <laughs> yeah, so you got you got your hacker, you got your new hacker, uh, Stickle. I think it was played by. I was like, oh no, that's uh, it's Marcellus Wallace. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Ving Rhames. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, and then the they got He's the pilot. Uh, yeah, his last name. I think his last name is Stickle. Luther Stickle. Oh, was it? Yeah, yeah. And then you got the pilot, uh, uh, Franz Krieger, uh, played by Jean Renault. Yeah. Uh, so and this is this is all this place. This movie is really all over the place too. Like first they're in Russia, then they're in Prague. Uh, now they're at the CIA headquarters in Langley. Yeah, I mean, Job gave him 150 grand to go do this, right? Right. Which equates to like 300k now. So he had good money. Yeah, and they were and first class flying. They were doing whatever. I think the fucking conversation between all of them when he's trying to convince them what they were gonna do was fantastic. Yeah, because it was just like. Yeah. He manipulated the shit out of Luther because Luther's like, bro, you're breaking into the CIA. You, you can't do that. And he's like, oh, but and then he points over to the French guy. He's like, you can do it, right? He's like, yeah, give me time. And then Luther breaks down. You got to do A, B, C, D, E, and F. And Ethan's like, yep. so it looks like you just signed yourself up to do it. Oh, my God. It was brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. And the whole time Luther was like, but I get to I get to keep the computer when I'm done. And it's weird because, like, if you listen, like me, me being in the tech world, if if you listen to the specs that he lists off for these computers, uh, they are literally like the biggest pieces of garbage. Like back in the day, they were really good, like really nice computers. But like now, it's like you can't even buy computers with specs like that. Yeah, and it's just like 25 right. years, evidently, right? Oh, it's so bad. Yeah. <laughs> so now, now they're on their way to Langley, right? Yeah, yeah. So now this is where he, uh, Luther explains each step by step on what they have to do. Uh, now they got to implement. And this is this is where I wrote down. I was like, oh, now things are getting interesting because right. this vault is equipped with uh, temperature detection, sound detection, like yeah, any any little thing is going to set anything. it off. Yeah, yeah, you can't touch the floor. Uh, the temperature, humidity, everything. Uh, the the next twenty five minutes, like after they land and um and get into the CIA headquarters, like the next twenty five minutes of this movie are like really good, in my opinion. This was the pop culture part of the movie. Everyone, like, 
this scene where he's on the rope and he's just down like this. This is in like Saturday in Saturday Night Live. Comedy Central spoofed it. It was like yep. a big scene because of how a the anxiety, right? Of like Jesus fuck, <gasps> and then yeah. b like yeah. it wasn't fake. He dangled there, right? Yeah, yeah. like he his sweat. And he used his whole core and everything to keep himself. And you could like see he's like readjusting his weight to make sure he stays flat the whole time. It's pretty wild. Uh, yeah. Can, can we also talk about like the CIA agent who had whatever the fuck laxatives poured in his coffee? That poor yeah, man. Oh, uh, dude. What well, I was going to do is uh, I dropped. didn't realize I didn't realize this. I missed this in the movie, but you see it in the trailer where she sprayed that. Yeah. Well, I, I might have I might have looked away, but I and didn't then when see she, it. When she I cleans like, off his blazer, she puts the tracker on him because like. I, I missed that part, so I was like, "Damn!" I was like, "Why is the CIA agent like crap in his pants?" I was like, "Did she, did she yeah. put something?" So he, she does. You see it in the trailer. She squirts like I think something. It's eye drops. Eye drops are like immediately make you throw up and poop. Yeah, he yeah, or like or like Ipecac or something she put in there. <laughs> yeah, whatever it is, it worked. Yeah, yeah so he's dangling over there well first well first he's dangling almost dangling right above him as he's working and then that's when he starts throwing up um so he gets down there and then that rat the rat like the rat almost gets uh uh krieger i don't i don't not almost not almost gets him but like you know that's nobody likes we know ahead of time (laughs) that he has an aversion to like rodents and that this was gonna happen or was this kind of like a oh we're just gonna put a rat up there and then we'll make the situation even more tense? Or like did we know that he didn't like mice the whole time? Well, it's a is a big fucking well, rat. Oh, but also it the rat was rope. making too the rat was making too much noise. That was the oh, problem yeah. because you yeah. saw the saw the decibel meter going up as the rat was like clanging on the. I mean, uh, that's kind of unrealistic because that rat was in the vent that would have set off that thing any other time, right? Yeah, but I, I don't think it was the noise. I think it was more so that A, it's a fucking rat, right? And B Yeah, that and he was I mean, like tense like the entire time. He's like shaking holding that thing up. Yeah, he was having anxiety over the fact that there was a rat there. But yeah. also practically, if the rat got to the rope, that was it. Ethan was toast. And he wasn't getting out of the vents quick enough. Right. So I, I don't know per se which one of those flags set him off, but it, so, it, as soon as he saw the rat, it was like shaking, sweating, convulsing a little bit. So, yeah. But then, but, then we get to it, baby. Yeah. Well, that was crazy. Where like right when that door opened, wait. Well, first off, I was like, "Get him out of there! Get him!" Out. I'm like, "Lift him up!" And then like he ends up getting up there right when right when uh, right when that door opens. Yeah, so, like, here's the thing, right? Is like, it felt like this dude at times was, like, throwing the mission, right? Because it's, like, it's not hard to lower. Lowering him isn't hard, right? But for some reason, like, it just felt like he was throwing. Like, get him down there. Pulling him up, I could see being a bit of a pain in the ass. But, like, at the same time, too, you have a pulley system. He can't weigh that much. Just fucking wrap the thing around. Pull him up. Yeah, like, but like yeah, I don't also know. the the weird spot is like he's lowering him down real slow before all this. When the guy comes back into the vent and starts throwing up, he it's pulls just, him up shit. like wicked quick. Yeah, but he he's lowering him down like really slow. But then all of a sudden he's like and he's up. Yeah, I mean I I get why you want to take your time, but at the same time you're dealing in intervals of like a minute. Also, quickest download ever for the nineties. <laughs> yeah, they see so I, they def- they didn't have dial up. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Guess not. Someone was uh, not using the telephone. <laughs> um, but these fake firefighters got got their uh, got their list. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, also too, like, why is the first thing he did when he pulled him up at the end to reach in and be like, "Give me the disc"? What are you gonna fucking leave him there? Like, get him the fuck out. Get out of there. Ugh, right. Drop, drops the knife and and it almost sets off the fucking alarm. Yeah. Yeah. Fr- Frenchie was fucking flat out throwing. He he was he he was weird. He was weird. 
Yeah, he had a weird vibe the whole time, especially like yeah. they explained at the very beginning that there was not going to be any body count on this mission, and he immediately tries to kill someone. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, this played yeah. A huge he... role. Played a huge role in the movie. Uh, this this Krieger was definitely... You knew definitely there was something flaky about him, and I think at least at least at the least Hunt knew how to work him because he ends up tricking him with that floppy disk thing into giving up into giving up the list. And he actually had it the whole time. Right. Um, yeah, that that scene to me was really weird, right? Where like everyone has a disc and and you have to try and figure out which one's the real one. And he just gets pissed up and le- pissed off and leaves. I would have just sat there and went like, "Okay, whatever." Like, I just want to know who has it, because <laughs> he's yeah. really quick to reveal it to everyone else. I think also too, he wasn't trying to throw too hard because at that point, it's like, all right, if you're gonna make a big stink about holding the yeah. knock list, you're you're probably gonna get shot in the head. <laughs> yeah, and, be it, it. and it's like one of those things too. Like he knows, but no one else knows that he knows. Right, that we're yeah. at with this so far, because like that's what I got. Like every little thing, like the little Bible thing, and the fact that the girl, the the guy's wife, is still alive, and the knife. He noticed the knife. So yeah. I think every little the, thing that he noticed was kind of like a oh. We're we're you, at that part of that the movie guy. now, right? Where he's already read the Bible, so he knows that that Phelps is still alive. Yep. So like unbeknown, and, let's just unbeknownst to everyone in the audience, right? If you're watching this for the first time, you don't know that he knows all this shit, but he knows that Phelps is alive. He knows that Frenchie killed his his number two because of the knife, and he, he knows recognized the knife. Yep, he recognized mm. the knife in the CIA when he tried to kill someone immediately. He knows Ving Rhames is clear because he found Ving Rhames, so he knows Luther's in and the he's clear. blacklisted from the CIA. Correct. And and he doesn't want to give up the knock list. So, like, he knows that Luther is clear. The only thing he doesn't know at this very moment is who, uh, what side the girl's on. What side the girl's on. And that's the only variable he hasn't figured out. He knows everything else. Which is kind of crazy because, like, as you, like, if you watch this, like, without really paying attention to like the little things, you have no idea that he knows this stuff either. You should, but you don't. Right. The the whole movie's done. The movie's done. It you it we have forty five minutes left of film and he already cracked it. He knows everything. Yeah. The and only then, thing he wants to know is if this girl is legit or not because he wants to rail her. So this is when he sees Jim at, at the, the payphone, payphone, right? Yeah. And then that's when they do the whole sequence where they explain. Uh, he's saying one thing, but then the visuals and like what's in his mind yes! is on the screen mm. showing something else, and you're like, "Oh!" And you like you just immediately put it together. Yes, how yeah. dope is it? That whole scene. That scene is amazing. Where it's like deception to Phelps, but it's also like showing the audience, like, "Don't clarity. worry, clarity, clarity to the audience, time. deception to Phelps." Uh, right. I thought but that as was soon the best as scene. as soon as Jim turned around, I knew. Like, so like I didn't put it all together very quickly either. But as soon as I saw Jim, I was like, "He's the bad guy." <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you well, had to know first yeah. before 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 he gets to that payphone. <laughs> I actually love this part because you find out that uh, Kittredge ends up having. Ethan's mom and uncle arrested for falsely for drug trafficking. <laughs> I love this part. I love this part because like Hunt, I think Hunt talks to Kittredge on the payphone. He allows him to trace the call intentionally, but he's like, "Oh, pinning uh, drug trafficking on mom and uncle. You're gonna have to do better than that." <laughs> yeah. I don't know. So, Does he let him track because he hangs up the phone before they tr- get? He the let track. him track that he was in England, but not where in England he was. Exactly. Right. So the, he hung up after like thirty-five seconds or whatever it took them to get the, the track. Right. He so was he knew that, 
he knew that they yeah he was using the the grandfather clock at the train station to time it yeah and then this is where phelps unexpectedly resurfaces because he survived uh he's saying oh kittredge is the mole but ethan is pretending to believe him this entire time because he realized that phelps was the mole because uh the bible was taken from the hotel he mentioned at the beginning yeah what what's beautiful too is like phelps thinks that he's talking to ethan about kittredge but ethan knows the questions he's asking are telling he's talking directly to phelps and phelps is just answering Mm -hmm. it so he's like why why would kittredge do this and phelps is like well you know sometimes you get fed up and blah 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 and he's like really so you just did it over fucking money guy all right got it and then he (laughs) tried to figure out again the only variable he doesn't know is if the girl is clean or not and he tried asking he said uh nope claire doesn't know i'm alive and ethan's like that's bullshit that's bullshit. so then the train yeah this is fucking kittredge gets a (laughs) he just gets a letter that's just two tickets to the train it says meet me at noon (laughs) Oh okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. The reason for the the train meeting is uh, Ethan wants to exchange the list uh, with Max. But he also, uh, this is when we also realize that he does not want the list released. So like, this is more like further evidence that he was only using Max as like a necessary evil. Yeah. Because he puts, like, as we'll find out, he puts people in place to block their phone signals so that they can't transfer things over the World Wide Web or however yeah. they're going to do it. So this this scene is, like, pretty, pretty kind of crazy, too, because he's literally on three different sides of this coin, yeah. this entire train scene. Yeah, this is this is really... This is where it get, it gets crazy even more so because like <laughs> because like Ethan is in disguise as Phelps uh, but Ethan ends up recording secretly recording Phelps to and sends it to Kittredge and that's where he exposes him as the mole like hey it's not me look who's still alive Yeah so yeah, yeah. This as, scene as is kind of crazy as you're yeah. watching it, right? Like, Ethan calls Max. Ethan says, "Disc is under your chair. How do I meet Job?" She puts it in and then says, "Job will meet you in the baggage car." Yep. So, to us, we think, and then and then Claire says to Ethan, "Hey, jo- you know the money's in the baggage car," and Ethan says, "I'm right behind you." So we think Claire is going to get to the baggage car before Ethan. Meanwhile, Ethan's been sitting there the whole time with the fucking mask on. Bro. Bro. <laughs> oh, God. Just he so says one thing, and then, and then the chick spills everything. Did he say Literally. anything? I don't think he said anything. I don't think he said anything. I think you're right. I think he just sat there, and just she, sat there. she and goes, she let's just everything. take the money. We don't have to kill Ethan. Oh, beautiful. Fucking beautiful. Yeah, and Claire, Claire tries to talk like uh uh Jim into surrendering, but then then Jim kills his own wife. He climbs to the roof of the train. Well, Jim uh, only kills the wife because Ethan throws the glasses at him and, and reveals that he's alive to Kittredge. True. And, yeah, inadvertently. And presumably we heard or he heard that she tried to fight for Ethan's life. So I I don't think Claire really wanted to go through with this at the end. I think when all was said and done, Claire was still 50 50 and like, didn't want to do this. Um, And that's why he killed her because she was dead weight. And honestly, I don't think he ever planned on keeping her alive because there's no fucking way she gets off that train the way that, that he was. Uh, if, If you look at it, it's a two seated helicopter. Yeah, so I don't think yeah. she, she, <laughs> she ever was not part that. of the plan the whole time. Uh, yeah, so Phelps climbs to the roof, and this is where you see, this is where you kind of knew 
Krieger's waiting with the helicopter. But we already knew Krieger was a bad douche. Exactly. Yeah, we knew he was a pilot and like, all right, he's got to get out of here somehow. <laughs> um, so Phelps is trying to climb onto the helicopter with his tether. Uh, but this whole sequence was crazy. Like this, I, I, I like this part. I was like, all right, this is what I'm here for. I'm like, let's see it. I thought the weird part of the whole thing, like all this sort of makes sense, right? Like, okay, we're going to use a helicopter to get out before the tunnel. So he's going to go up, use his suction cup things, whatever. The The conductor sees a helicopter right behind them and is like, speed up. <laughs> what? <laughs> if you slow down, it will hit us. Yeah, but you're the train. Like, it'll move. <laughs> well, all right. First, all right. So this first off, when, like, Ethan's out there just suit and tie. There's nothing, nothing else. I'm like, no way does he have visibility going that fast. Probably not. Like, I'm like, you can't see. So the craziest part about this, still, this is still a phys- <laughs> like a physical stunt. Like this, this is not the the part that CGI is when the helicopter is in the tunnel. Everything else to this is like filmed actual stunt. Just like, yeah. just like in the newer yeah. one, when he strapped himself to the side of a plane, and he actually took off outside of a plane. Yeah. Like he does these stunts. This he was on top of a bullet train. Yeah, that whole, the whole thing was crazy. Yeah, I loved it. It was just outrageous. So, so, like, this is why, like, you said you had to watch this in multiple sittings. Like every twenty minute section of this movie, and it's only like an hour and forty minute movie, an hour and thirty five minute movie, gets more and more insane. Yeah. Well, so I like, feel like <laughs> for for me, it was too two big parts of the movie that you know kept me invested was the vault and this the train ethan hunt yeah yeah but you know what's happening here is as we're talking about it my feelings for the movie are changing a little bit <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> i'm like you know like, what it, it's all, all right. a matter to, it's all a matter of like like the greed right of the bad guys where they easily could have got away with it easily would have been gone yeah. even if even if kittredge knew he was alive they easily could have got away with it they tried so hard to just be fucking greedy that they they couldn't do it like you either yeah. had to a kill ethan hunt right in the in the baggage car you had the chance there to yeah. kill ethan hunt in the baggage car b, he shot his wife you could have killed him <laughs> before he got to the baggage car right you didn't need to wait yeah. for him to get there you could have killed him before he got there or c Frenchie has John Voight. John Voight is on the fucking helicopter. He's just tethered in. I, I think he's just the chopper is tied in because Ethan Hunt's last stitch effort is to take the hook that they use to get Voight yep. onto the helicopter. He hooks it onto the train. So now the chopper's stuck, right? Instead yep. of trying to cut that free, he leans in the front of the nose of the helicopter to try and kill Ethan Hunt. If he just either A, tries to cut the wire with that, or B, well, tugs back hard enough. You know what? He he left that knife in the vault. <laughs> he had nothing to cut it with. It's true. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> the there's there's a lot to the end section where you're like, oh, the bad guys could get away with this so easily, and they just freaking yeah. didn't. <laughs> but And that's like the case with, again, it's spoiler alert. It's kind of a foreseeable, like, foreshadowing it's, it's 90s story well no it's all the mission impossibles is they they right. have a chance where they can in every single one the bad guy has a chance to walk away but they're so determined to beat ethan that they don't they're like no we can beat him yeah. and they they almost never do maybe yeah. there's one time they do I, uh, i'll never tell um but he but, ends up <laughs> he ends up blowing up that chopper with a with another piece of juicy fruit yeah, what a fucking callback! <laughs> I yeah. see. I, I red light, green light. They haven't called back to that fucking that juicy fruit since this movie, and I'm so pissed about it. I love how when it feels. How it feels to chew five gum. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, as soon as as soon as Ethan gets onto the helicopter, right? Because obviously the chopper's tethered in. Now he's got to stabilize, so he hops on the helicopter. You hear, dun. Dun, 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 dun. And it's yeah. just like, oh, fuck yeah. It's about to go down, bro. Yeah. It's like the Avengers music. Mm-hmm. 
as soon as it starts, you know. Um, so yeah, that crazy crap happens. Yeah. Uh, helicopter gets blown up, yada yada. He goes about, does his thing, and then the end of the movie. Call back to the beginning, Ethan Hunt. Your mission, if you choose to accept it. And then boom, yeah, ends. Cool. But it's the same way that Phelps got it, right? On a plane and everything else. And... Yeah, and when she was like, yeah. movie, and he was like, nah. And she was like, movie? <laughs> yeah. And good. how about this one? <laughs> yeah. uh, but I will say, like, going forward, if you're going to watch the Mission Impossible, Mission Impossible 1, uh, way better than two. Uh, Mission Impossible 2. You can skip Mission Impossible 2. 3 like, is good. Literally... You literally can spit, uh, skip two and three if you really want to. But three, go, yeah. I like three. You, you can go right into the new ones now, and you're not missing anything. They're all individual plot yeah. storylines. Yeah, the What's first the three are all, like, standalone. Mission Impossible 2, like, the only thing I know about it is that, like, Metallica did a song for it. It's terrible. That's, that's the only thing I know about it. It's a terrible movie. I, if I was yeah. you... You can watch three if you want, but it really doesn't tie into anything else. Like, okay, uh, it's I would go right into whatever the new one started with. Yep. Though that that trilogy there, holy shit, you you're not ready for it. It's so good. Yeah, yeah, I I, I gotta dive in. I gotta dive into these. You know, leading up to, I mean, still got plenty of time until Dead Reckoning Part One next year. Hmm. Uh, I mean. I w- I would honestly say too that this movie, that this movie, s- started the snowball that killed the James Bond franchise. Yeah, this movie I think is a top ten movie from the nineties, uh, and I also think that this is probably one of the better casts, even though it doesn't use it. So I would say this cast is like a top ten cast for the nineties. Not not top five. It's not. Perfect. I think Titanic is probably the best cast you'll ever have in a movie, but mm. I would say it's a top ten cast, and it's one that they didn't need everyone to to really participate for it to be good. Like John Voight was only in the movie, I think, for like seven minutes. I don't think he was in it for very long. Emilio Estevez was arguably the biggest star, other than maybe Tom Cruise going into this movie. He was only in it for five minutes. It's right. just it, it it's really like a really well-used cast, I think. I think this movie out of 10 is like a solid 8.5, possibly 9, depending on how you want to spin it. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, because I'm looking at it. Ghost Protocol, Rogue Nation, and then Fallout. Yep. What a, what a great three-movie series, to it, be yeah. honest. Bro, if you're ever like, damn, I want to watch something different that I've never seen, you get action, you get suspense, and it's, none of them are really gooey love like I don't remember a ton of romance. There's no, some. Isn't uh isn't Fallout the one that Henry Cavill had to have a mustache for? Yeah. And and, and that was League. fucking with um <laughs> the Superman thing? Yeah, Justice League. Yeah. But movie... I think it's so funny that Henry Cavill is Superman and chooses the Fallout script and movie over <laughs> his duties as Superman. <laughs> He didn't have a choice. <laughs> I, know, I know. I just think it's awesome. He's, he was he's told, like, in all fairness, he was told he was done with Justice League. I know. So that's kind of like his like yeah. backhand to them, right? But at the same time, he's like, yeah, I know I'm Superman and everything. But like, oh, he already got paid for out. Justice League. He's like, this movie's a train wreck. I ain't throwing my Mission Impossible money. <laughs> yep. He's like, figure <laughs> this out because I'm not cutting it off. <laughs> yeah. John. As a new person to the tri- the the franchise, I highly recommend. For Fallout is so good, you really need to watch those ones. It's that good. Yeah, yeah. I um, I'm gonna watch them all. Oh, so good. I don't know how long it'll take, but I'm gonna watch them all. Once you start Gross Protocol, I I guarantee you don't put them down. It, nice. They're good. Anyway, what did you guys yeah. think of the movie? Yeah. I thought it was really good. It's a movie of the period. So today, the rewatch is really good. I think the story is really good. I think Ethan Hunt is like a really dynamic character. But the movie itself could have benefited from just a little bit. You know, like 
better cinematography. The, the soundtrack is good. The star power is really good. I think a lot of the intimate dialogue is really good. Some of the other stuff, not so much. Um, I think it, I think it's a really good movie. Yeah. What are you going to shoot? Uh, all right. So I think George already did his did George said eight out of 10 for him. Uh, 8.5. Right. I'm, so I'm a 7.5. Yeah. For me, I was, I, I had a rating going into this that I was going to, that I was going to stick with, but talking about it now and like getting into it, uh, better and it, it helped me wrap my head around maybe some stuff that i missed throughout the movie uh so i'm gonna say i'm gonna say a seven i'll say seven out of ten it's and not the, clear, the only reason the only reason why i'm i'm at a seven and a half is because they were in such a rush to replace characters in this movie because they, like, they killed the tech guy and they needed another tech guy and i think vin rames is is good yeah but like they replace him too later because he's really not that good. So like, I feel like they Wait, made what? No. Yeah. No. They don't replace Ving Rains. Is he in Ghost? Yep. Did I miss that? Yeah. So I, I just <clears throat> I just don't I don't love this the secondary casting in this movie. I thought that the first casting was good. I don't know. Ving Luther is a huge part of yeah, Mission I'm Impossible. Now. I have to go back and watch the later Luther. Ones. Yeah. Luther is from the oh moment, yeah, he's in a lot of these. From the he's in all of them. From the all moment them, Ethan yeah. brings him in, dude, he was in the new trailer. <laughs> Hello, yeah, I know. Uh, from, my bad, my bad. From the moment Ethan uh, brings cool. him in, Luther is the moral compass for Ethan. The entire yeah. trilogy, or the entire okay. franchise. He's always the moral compass for Ethan. I will so, say, I think the the cast, the secondary casting could have been better. Who would you rather see over Ving Rhames? Is it really, <sighs> when you say secondary casting, he's the only secondary cast member that survives the fucking movie. So I yeah, so I know, just fucking perfect. I know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but like Luther, I don't know. He'd like just doesn't he was, fit with. Let's be honest. Ving Rhames was the badass black guy from the 90s. He was. <laughs> fucking Marcel yeah. Wallace, baby. Wesley yep. Snipes. Eh. Do you really think they could have uh, afforded Wesley Snipes? No, no. But I'm saying he, he was the badass black guy, right? Well, yeah, he was. Wasn't he doing Blade in 95? So I don't think yeah. he would have been Wesley Snipes. But yeah, Wesley Snipes would have been interesting. I don't think he would look cool on a computer, though. I mean, the hell's his name? I'm not saying it's a perfect casting, but I, off the top of your head, when you say so, secondary casting, I don't know if you can do better. I, I yeah. think, but like my thing about him is like I don't see him as like the tech guy. I see him as like a moral compass guy, but I don't see him as like a hands-off guy. You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah, that's fine. I, I don't know. I think Luther is like a huge yeah. teddy bear the entire time, but. He can beat the shit out of someone. So, like, in the beginning when they started this franchise, it wasn't very... You needed someone who, you, in a fight, would you could they could win. And right. you see that in the second one a lot, is, like, Ving yes. Rams has to fight. Yeah. Um, and now, as we progressed... And you go hands-off. Uh, Simon Pegg is hands-off. He's the only one who's hands-off. But, no, like, he then you bring in, in... He eventually asks to be brought in, and he still doesn't fight that much. Um, until one of the movies, and then he doesn't win a fight. Um, but they bring in Jeremy Renner, they bring in Alec Baldwin, they bring yeah. in Henry Cavill, they bring in guys who, like, you could believe that they would beat the ever living piss out of someone. So I think that's kind of the theme that they use there. So okay, it is know. what it is. I, I feel like there there were there could have been better characters. I just don't know who would have signed on to it. I guess. Yeah, the nineties is th- going back thirty years is tough to kind of pick that apart. Yeah, I know. I don't know. But I thought it was good. I'll, I'll give it a seven and a half. And John All gives right. it a seven. Mm. Yeah, I'll say so. that's not the rating I went in with. 
So this so this this, this episode kind of turned me around. A I little think bit. It's, I think it's still a top ten movie from the nineties. Yeah. If we're talking if we're talking blockbuster movies, I think this is better. I know it financially didn't make as much as Twister because I don't think it's as family friendly as Twister, but I think it's a better movie than Twister. I think it's a better movie than well, that's a lie. Never mind, I won't say that. But I think it's a better movie than I Twister. I wanna know what you were thinking. No, you don't. I won't say it out loud. The Nutty Professor. <laughs> I was gonna say Independence Day, and then I, I like had to catch myself. I was like, no, no, don't be crazy. But I, no, I do think that. I do yeah. think if we're talking about revolutionary movies from the nineties, you have Titanic, you have Armageddon, you have uh Independence Day. I don't think, you know, Forrest Gump, I I, I don't think in Mission Impossible One is that far off this list. Yeah, and the mm. funny thing is is like I wouldn't say that there's like a James Bond from the 90s that's a revolutionary movie. I wouldn't say that. The only so, one that you could even argue is Goldeneye because of how big it was. It was a big yeah, movie. Yeah, but that was, was a, terrible, a yeah. global phenomenon for more than just the movie, though. It was like there was the, the music. There was uh, – it was the first time that a BMW was used and then they pulled their rights. So, like, there was like a lot of things that happened in Goldeneye that yeah. changed the progression of what James Bond is. But, like – Name like a spy movie that was, you know, revolutionary or, you know, like a lot of spy movies are like spoofs or funny or, you know, there's not a ton of serious spy movies. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, I feel like they, I feel like they probably said, all right, we can't do better than than this. Yeah. No, that's probably true. Yeah. I mean, this, this movie, I, I, yeah, if you if we're talking, you can't beat the classics. This is a classic that I think should get a fresh score. Yeah, for sure. And I think yeah. it ages better. Classic. It ages better the more of these movies you see, and you see how they build off of it, and they don't change anything. Yeah, they still yeah. keep the opening montage. Will tell you the entire film before yeah. you've even seen it. You know, Ethan Hunt is still the same guy. Very calculated. Very risk-taking and it's it's just it's a good building block i agree with that i i I mean you even argue that there's there's no franchise that came out of the 90s that had a better first film than mission impossible other than jurassic park yeah that's the only one yeah that that'd be another big that'd be the big one i think yeah uh but yeah i mean all right that's our our thoughts on the first Mission Impossible. Uh, whether we do the other ones, yeah, we got we kind of got to go in order, but I mean we'll see. Um, but yeah, let us know what you what your thoughts are in the comments. Uh, now we're gonna get to the more the interesting part of the episode. <laughs> the, the wheel of part. doom. Yeah. The wheel of doom. What year are we doing, John? Let's see. Let's pull up the wheel. I got every year between now and 1991. Let's spin the wheel, see what we're working with. Something Something newer. newer. Come on. Ooh, 2007. Okay. I'll take it. All right, okay. so let's find our movies from 2007, narrow it down, and we'll have an episode for you. So end it there. Thanks for listening. See you guys later. Later. Peace.